Hey, welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. Good morning. Open your Bibles to John 15, please. I have my Bible and it is in John 15, but I'm going to read off a paper just to make it easier for myself. But um, Nicholas asked me to share a couple of months ago already. Uh, Nick plans well in advance. And I think when Ilana fell pregnant, he thought he planned the weekends out already. And as I've been praying over the past couple of months about what to share, um, I've been listening, I've been asking, I've been speaking to different people and I've been asking the Lord what what he'd like me to share. And I believe this morning that um, what we're going to talk about, are, uh, it's really just observations um, on the Christian life based on John 15. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. There's a reason, a reason for that. Um, the NBV, I don't know um, about that anymore. I, I, I think many of us, um, the NBV is becoming popular. Um, Nicholas Bruton version. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a reason I'm reading from this this morning. And if you have a different translation, and I know sometimes you're on the app and you change translation, stick to yours um, because I want to come back to that. Let's uh, go to John 15. I'm reading from verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me and he is, if anyone is, sorry, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the name of my father, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let's pray. 
Father, what a privilege to meet together. And uh, Lord, we are grateful for technology. We are grateful, Father, that we have your word. We are grateful, Lord, that even though we don't have a physical space to meet in at this stage, you are allowing us to have fellowship. And Father, we pray as we discuss your word now, as we look into it, Lord, that your spirit would uh, speak to each one of us, that your spirit would speak through me. Father, I pray that if there are things that on my agenda, that you would mute their ears or make me say something else. But Father, only today what is to your glory and according to your will. Um, help us, Father, as we, as we even meditate on what we've just read, that you would speak to us and that you would drop things in our spirit, that you would plant seeds that will help us, Lord, to know these words of Jesus and what they mean for us. Be with us today, Father. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I cannot do John 15 any justice in the 80 minutes that Nick's given me. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, they will do even greater things. So, so Nick usually preaches for an hour. So, so it would just be biblical for me to try and go beyond that. <laughs> um, Jesus preached. But when uh, Paul, uh, uh, Peter preached, guys fell asleep and fell out of the window. That's what we read in Acts. That's, he kept on the whole night. So I'm just following biblical trends here. But really, if you read John 15 and we stopped at verse 17, each one of those verses could be a sermon. There really is so much. If you take a 40-minute sermon for those 17 verses, that's about 11 hours. So, so this morning, I'm going to try and do it in 40, 45 minutes, just chat to you about some of the things that I observe in my own life and in the life of Christians um, taken from John 15. So I have been warned that if I'm not nice, that uh, I'm not going to be invited back. So, so I'm going to be nice. And um, we're also doing it remotely today so that there could be technical problems and we could switch over to a video if I talk nonsense, okay? So Nick has this all sorted out. He also has a little remote. So anyway, then we can carry on. But if you read John 15, there's some hectic words there. Throw away, prunes, withers, thrown into the fire, burnt. For me as a Christian, when Jesus speaks about people like that, it scares me. But they are also incredibly encouraging words. Clean, you're clean. And we're not going to get to that context, but bearing much fruit. Um, ask and it will be done for you. I love you. In verse 11, he says, these things I've spoken so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, I will abide in you if you abide in me. So, so as scary as some of those words are, there are just such encouraging words as well. And I think for us, really, it's about finding that balance between taking the stern warning that Jesus gives us in the context that he's giving it, and to understand that in his grace, he's not expecting something from us that we cannot do. Because it scares me when I read stuff like that. Matthew 7, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, 
away from you evildoers, I never knew you. Verses like that scare me. But there's always a promise. There's always God's grace. So this morning I want to share with you just three short observations. The first one is about abiding in Christ. And really that for us as Christians to abide in Christ is mission critical. If you're not at that point yet where you've made a decision to follow Christ, this is the foundation. You're not signing up to a religion. It's relationship. This is the foundation of what we do. This is what God has done through the cross is relationship with us and him. So when we abide in Christ, Jesus says it in that, just in that passage, he says it 10 times. He uses the word abide in this translation. Uh, verse, the key verse there is verse four. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, it is he it is, that grammar is not great, but he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think my first observation of us as Christians, my first observation for me, I'm, I'm one of the older people in this group. I'm still young, but I'm, I'm older than some of you, than, than most, than many of you. I think there's maybe one older person, but anyway, the Lord has grace. But one of my observations is we do the, um, we, we've got the CCP translation for this verse which is the common Christian practice translation, okay? And, and it goes something like this. Apart from me, you can still do quite a lot, but it's better to be close to me. And we get into a space where we think we can do stuff without God. We think we can do stuff without being close to Jesus. The translations use different words. Abide, remain. The Passion uses a great, uh, uh, description life union i love that description it's, it talks about an intimate knowledge uh, an, an intimate relationship and really abiding is believing it's trusting it's savoring it's immersing yourself into a relationship with jesus there's connection it's a continual dependence it's not a i pray when i'm in trouble because for most of us, if, if our prayer life had to be a graph, the spikes would be tough days, or I'm in trouble, or month end. I need an interview. And, 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 and our, our relationship with God is so many times influenced by our circumstances. You see, I can, we must put this verse into context, because we can do things without Jesus. I can drive without Jesus. I know theologically he gives me breath. Because of him, I've got sight. Because of him, my muscles can move when my brain tells him to. So, so I, I'm taking that away. Let's take the, that dependence on him away. Let's say I could drive without him blessing my physical body to function. I can drive without Jesus. But I cannot drive to the glory of God without Jesus. Because let me tell you why. 
out of the overflow of the mouth, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what Matthew 12 says. This week, I was driving. Two lanes going this way, two lanes going that way. There's traffic on the one side, and I'm going in the direction against traffic. And because these people have decided that they also need to get to where they need to be, they've made my right lane their third lane. And they're swearing at me for driving in the right lane where I'm allowed to drive. I can drive without a relationship with Jesus. I cannot drive to his glory in a situation like that if I'm not close to him. Because let me tell you what, if I haven't filled myself with him, if I haven't filled himself with, my, with his word, if I haven't filled my head with spiritual things, I would be driving down there and I had plans. I was going to go and buy a big truck this week. I was going to sell our house, buy a big truck and drive in the right lane every morning on my way to work, take a way big detour, but I have a massive truck and just sit in that right lane just to show them that they cannot drive in my lane because that's <laughs> my lane. But that doesn't glorify Jesus. So yes, you might be able to do some things, but we've got to understand when Jesus says you can do nothing, he meant it. Because Jesus was talking from a kingdom perspective. Jesus was looking at these things with spiritual eyes. Jesus was looking at eternal life. You can be married without Jesus. You can. But you might not keep your salvation. But because of Jesus in a relationship, you can grow together and learn together and disciple one another and pull each other up when you're down. And you could make it to heaven. So, I'm... It, it's extremely important to me because I see that in the lives of so many Christians. God blesses them with gifts. God blesses them with talents. God blesses them with abilities. And we experience life. So we get into a space where we get quite good at stuff. And our default is quite not too bad. Thank you, Nicholas. Nicholas is bringing water. Oh, thank you, my brother. <laughs> but we cannot do anything, spiritually speaking, without Jesus. Nothing that has eternal impact can be done without him. I want to tell you a story about two guys that got married in 2000. One is me. The one is someone else. Okay. The one's net worth, I, I, I brought this as an illustration because you don't get it until you see it on paper. This is his net worth. Okay. That's where the, that's where the million starts. He's not at 10 million. He's not at 100 million. He's not at a billion. He's not at 10 billion. He's not at 100 billion. He's at trillion. Okay, my net worth is sitting around there. Okay, lots of commas on the wrong side of this thing. But he doesn't believe in God. He went to high school in Pretoria, I went to high school in Pretoria. Boys schools, 
He finished his high school career as I started mine. He got married in 2000, I got married in 2000. When I look at a financial perspective, he's done a lot. But let's look at just something like family. Five kids later, after eight years of marriage, he gets divorced. Two years later, he marries again. That marriage lasts two years, gets divorced again, eventually remarries that woman and after a year files for divorce again, withdraws that, but then two years later they get divorced anyway. Then he starts dating a woman and two years later they have a child, they call him X, and then his middle name is AE, third name is A-XII, okay? Oh, and his girlfriend, uh, um, mother of child, uh, was selling a piece of her soul for $10 million as part of her art exhibition. <laughs> Who's more, when you look at Jesus' eyes, he's achieved nothing. When it, if we look at just at, at family, Sure, his bank balance might look, might look better than mine. But I am building things that have eternal value. I make sacrifices for eternal value. Doesn't the Bible, didn't Jesus teach us to build where, the, where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot touch? Our treasures are supposed to be in heaven, and I'm not just talking from a financial perspective. Man, I've seen guys who start dating a woman and get married to her because of her looks, not because she's a spiritual woman, and they burn their fingers. I've seen girls get married to guys because they've got it all, and when they lose it all, they lose it. But when I married my wife, I married her because she was somebody that put God first in her life with everything. And when I went through times where my faith was challenged, when I went through times where I was down in the dumps, when I went through times when, this, when Satan was beating me up and winning the battle, that woman saved me. Because she brought me back to Christ. She reminded me of my roots. She put me in. She prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. She read the word on my behalf and shared it with me. So I have to ask you this morning, do you believe that without Jesus, you can do nothing? See, like I said, for us, because we're good at stuff, God's blessed us with talent and we, we go through life. I don't need to think about driving, it's a default. And I think for many things in our life, we, we, we have a default. But we have to understand that 90%, if not more, of life happens default. We get very little chance to actually think everything through. Most of life is what's our default. And when we are not close to Jesus, when we are not abiding in him, when we are not filling ourselves with his word, we mess up. And, and the things that have eternal value suffer. You might get that promotion, but at what cost your family? You see, we, we, we've got to make sure that we immerse ourselves in a relationship with him. So I want to ask you this morning, 
And it's really not from a point of, you know, I've been warned not to make this a, 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 an Enge sermon. Of <laughs> <laughs> so I'm speaking to myself as well. And like I said, these are observations from my life and, and, and the lives of many people that I deal with, Christians. How are your quiet times? How's your relationship with God? Take away all the other stuff. Not how many prayer meetings are you attending. Not how many sermons do you listen to. Not that stuff. Not how many church services you go to. Your relationship with Jesus. How good is it? If today we had to lose all the Bibles in the world, all the apps crash, every Bible disappears, how much of the Bible would we be able to rewrite based on your knowledge of the word? Maybe not all the genealogies. Nehemiah was the son of Waste Heimeyer, was the son of Shoulder Heimeyer. Maybe not those things. But the things, that, the, the things that guide our life, how much of that scripture are we filling ourselves with? How much are we memorizing? How much are we putting into ourselves so that when the pawpaw hits the fan, our default is the word? It's not what we saw on Netflix. Oh, somebody's been nasty to me. Let's box. Because you've been filling your head, you've been filling your heart with that. But the word says, turn the other cheek. Drive in the left lane and wave. It's tough. It's not easy. Do we search? Jesus talked about people search when they when they find the kingdom, they they search for it as a treasure or a pearl in a field. They'll sell everything and go. Is that our attitude when it comes to the word? That we will do whatever it takes to dig deep and to look for stuff and to wrestle it out ourselves. It's not listening to some guy preach and then accepting that as God's word. It's going for ourselves to figure it out. The Bible talks in Acts 17 about the Bereans, and it tells us that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Because what Paul taught them every day, they examined the scriptures daily to see if what they were being told was true. They were Bereans, and, and I, I love that thing, that the Bible calls them more noble. Yet, they went and checked what the, the preacher was saying was true. So how much of what you get taught spiritually do you go and verify in the scriptures? Even just John 15, it's very, very simple. The English standard that I read now, and even the New King James says, takes away the branches that don't bear fruit. The NIV says, cut off. The Passion says, lift up. Now, again, we don't have time to get into that. And I think all three of them have context in this story. If you unpack it, all three of them are true. But if you just read the Passion Translation, a, fruit, a, a tree that doesn't bear fruit gets lifted up to God and God takes care of him. Then verse 6 doesn't make sense because those branches wither and get thrown into the fire. You can't get lifted up to God and wither and thrown into the fire. So, so it's both. I don't think it's either or, I think it's both. But again, hopefully you disagree with me. And I'm, I, I said these things specifically because I know some of you will disagree. 
But that's my point, is go and find it out for yourself from the scriptures. Don't believe what I say just because Nick gave me the opportunity. Or whoever it is that you watch or listen to or allow to speak truth into your life. We've got to immerse ourselves in God. So, relationships. My brother has a friend that used to travel a lot for work. And he has two boys. And he was telling us this, or he was telling my brother this story, and my brother told me, but he was, the boys were both sort of preteens, teenage age. And he got home after one of the business trips. And both of the boys came running to him. And the one said, what did you get for us? And the other one was like, dad, I missed you so much. And as a dad, he loves them both equally. But like Shaul was talking a little bit, their motivation for relationship was different at that stage. We're not judging them, they were kids. But for the one, having dad back, the joy was, there's a gift. For the other one, it was, I missed my father, I'm glad he's home. And I think for us, sometimes, we are so focused on the gifts that our giver gives, and we are not focused on the giver of those gifts. Man, I, I've been in some prayer meetings, not the community. You guys are all holy and precious and um, perfect in the sight of the Lord. But I've been in some prayer meetings where I'm like, oh my word, I'm so glad I'm not God. Because you are just rambling off a to-do list for him. And it's like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and this, and this, and this, and that, and that. And I can just imagine God thinking, just wait, let me just keep up. I'm trying to just, let me just, I don't have space for everything you're saying. And sometimes those prayers lack a connection to the, God, to, to the Father. We should ask. The Bible teaches that we should ask. James says, you don't get because you don't ask. Right? So I'm not saying don't ask for stuff. We must be careful what stuff we ask for, and that again is another sermon. But, but the point I'm trying to make here is our relationship with God cannot be dependent on what we get from him. It can't. And, and I think for some of us, we live in a shallow relationship. And I've seen it in my own life. I, it's a shallow relationship with God. And because of that, I have to live from miracle to miracle and not in the blessing. And what I mean by that is financially, if you're not really digging to see what, and, and I love the sessions that Charles has been doing with us, but if you're not seeking God's will and word for your life, you're not going to be a good steward. And every month end, it's going to be like, oh, Lord, please let this tank of petrol just last to get to work. And it's a miracle upon miracle. Oh, Lord, I don't know where. And somebody gives you something. We've all had those things, and they're great. But when you practice the word and the, the principle of reaping and sowing and just really practicing good stewardship the way the Bible promises, it us, promises us, you're living in his blessing. And he will supply everything according to your needs. Your needs, not your wants. You see, because if I had to ask you, do you want to be, there's a blessing. There are two blessings. The one is a lesser blessing and the one's a more blessing. Not also grammatically correct, but there's a lesser blessing and there's a more blessing. Talking about your finances, which one would you want? Marcus jumping up and down on the couch. He's saying he wants the more blessing. 
Let me tell you what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So, like Saul was talking, our motivation when we give, what is it? Is it so that God can, oh, God, I'm sowing here. I cannot wait for the harvest. Or is it, Lord, I'm going to give this away as much as I can. All I need is for me to survive. We've lost Acts chapter, uh, the book of Acts. Go and read it. The believers sold everything they had. And nobody claimed anything they had as their own. Now, I'm not saying we should become a cult and sell our houses and sell our cars. And I know Nick is like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Give it, give it, bring it. But <laughs> I'm not saying we should do that. But I think we miss, because of society, we miss the heart of Jesus. He never gives so that we can keep. He never, ever gives for our benefit. He gives for the benefit of his kingdom. He gives so that you can be a blessing to others. And I think for me, that is just something that we've got to make sure that we, uh, we're going to miss points like that if we don't immerse ourselves in his word, if we're not close to him in fellowship. Number two is the fruit is not so complicated. I didn't see when I started, so I have no clue how much time I've got left, but I'm going to try and stick to the point. 15 minutes, did I count correct? Okay. <laughs> I've got a fruit tree at home, a peach tree. I've got two. I've got a couple of peach trees, but these particular two peach trees. <laughs> I'm growing them against the wall, so I'm shaping them very differently to a normal peach tree. But this year, when it was winter and time to prune them, I was busy. And stuff happened. And before I realized, they had formed blossoms. And I, and I thought to myself, I'm not going to cut them now. Let them bear their fruit. I'll prune them afterwards. And for somebody, like, my son loves fruit. So, so he goes and he, he's having a great time at the moment because these peaches, they're they, they there and they're quite sweet, some of them. But they look like this. You can't even see it on the screen. These are the peaches off my tree, and they ripe this size. Now, a farmer might look at this peach and say, well, that's sort of more the fruit we're looking at. But an export farmer would look at this fruit and say, uh-uh, you're not giving this tree the, you're not treating this tree how it should be treated because it's not bearing great fruit. But for somebody who doesn't, who's just interested in the eating, <laughs> this fruit is awesome. Because he can have 10 and I can't shout at him because it's really just 10, 10 bites. But for somebody that knows the potential of that tree, that's very disappointing. But it's because I didn't prune it. And really, we have to understand that when, if you read John 15, in my opinion, the fruit there is a big deciding factor. You have fruit. You get pruned to get more fruit. You don't have fruit, you get taken away, lifted up, thrown away, whatever translation you want to use today. But the fruit is a deciding factor in how God treats us. His grace and his mercy is there for everybody. I'm not saying this is, please, I'm not speaking about works here, and I'll get to that. But 
we can so easily fall into that trap that we need to do all these things for God and we need to bear all this fruit. Jesus didn't say, bear fruit, then you'll remain in me and I'll remain in you. We get it wrong. Jesus said, remain in me. Start with me, your foundation, your roots. Um, Psalm 1 talks about that tree. The roots are in Jesus. The, re the roots are in the word. And then the fruit will come. See, I think we, we, we so focused on the fruit. And, and I think even deeper than that, we sometimes get the fruit of the spirit and the gift of the spirit mixed up. The gifts of the spirit. Charles talked about 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of angels, but I have not love, I'm a clanging, clanging symbol, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. But it talks about love, and you can do all these amazing things, but if you do not have love, what do you have? And I've seen it. Oh, brother, I want to give you a word of prophecy. But your wife's sitting there and her eyes are puffy because she was crying all night because of how you treat her. Not yeah, not this group. Again, again, <laughs> please. Not this group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, sure. But we can speak in tongues. But man, we can also speak in sign language when we're on the road. And you see, I think we, we, we must be so careful because by our fruit we will be known. Our fruit is telling the world the rootstock of our tree. We have to be careful. Again, Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, Lord. They didn't say rabbi. They didn't say teacher. They said, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Sorry, I didn't know you. And I think it talks a little bit about what kind of fruit here. So what fruit must we bear? Verse 8 says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So for me, two things stand out. And again, we can unpack this a whole bunch more. But just briefly, to me, things that give God's, God glory is the type of fruit that Jesus is talking about here. So that could be the way you behave at work. It could be your marriage. It could be the way you handle the remote control. It could be your browsing history. Does it bring glory to God? And then the other fruit, he says, so by this you prove to be my disciples. And interesting, just before this in John 13, the Last Supper, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And again, that cleansing process there talks a little bit about this whole John 15 concept here. But in John 13, just before this, Jesus said to them, how will people know that you are my disciples? By your love. So the, the fruit, yeah, if you're reading from verse 13 up to here, is loving people. Again, he says, um, 1 Corinthians 13 is the fruit of love. Verse 12 and verse 17 command us to love one another. And I think so many times we can complicate this fruit thing. And we make fruit baskets of ourselves. And it's like, oh God, I'm not doing that. Or, oh God, I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm not a superior Christian like those other guys. And I'm like, I'm this, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not, oh, I haven't brought somebody to the Lord. I haven't baptized somebody in a year. I haven't, and, and we complicate things so much for ourselves. 
And, and we have to mature. There, definitely. The word speaks about moving from milk to solid food. We have to mature. But I think for some of us, we are so tempted, and I've seen it in my own life. I skipped that love part. Please remember that fruit is a result of the grace of God. It is not something you and I do. Romans 2 verse 4 says that the grace of God leads us to repentance. It's because of his love for us that the fruit results. The woman in, in Luke 7 that anoints Jesus' feet. And they're not happy about that whole situation. And there, there's a key point where Jesus speaks about the heart and he says, what she's done for me, Simon, you haven't washed my feet. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. Since I've come in here, she hasn't stopped doing this. But Simon, he has the heart of this. Forget the perfume. Forget who's doing what. Forget who she is. Forget who you are. The heart. Somebody that's forgiven much loves much. And you don't know her history, but I do. And the way she's responding now is because of the grace of my grace and my father's grace in her life that she's responding like this. It's a beautiful thing. Don't miss it. And I think for us, that would be the root for me about fruit, is get a clear understanding of your need for God. All of us, sin is sin. There's no sin that's better. There's no sin that's greater. We have all fall short of, we all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3. We all fall short of his glory. Yes, some have much bigger consequences than other things. But ultimately, to get to heaven, sin needs to be forgiven. And the price for that is the same. It's the blood of Jesus. So that grace needs to motivate us. That connection to the root is what will bring the fruit. It's not our deeds. It's not our hard work. It's an outflow and a through flow of his spirit. And then lastly, pruning is far good. Now, I believe that God always shows up, always, but he doesn't always show up how we want him to. And I think for some of us, especially the younger crowd, we get so stuck on the how. We get stuck on the how God must show up because he showed up for somebody else in a particular way. We expect the same for us. God always shows up. But we have to allow him to prune us. We have to submit to his will. You can look, is, is an unanswered prayer proof that God doesn't show up? If you say it is, then that means God didn't show up for Jesus because Jesus said, Lord, please take this away from me. I don't want to do this. Take it away. This lamb thing, it's working for me. Let's carry on with that. Let's make it easier for them. Let's do doves. In fact, God, let's just say, okay, they can squash an ant and that's the blood for the sin. It would have been silly, but if God wanted to, he could have made any other plan to forgive our sins. And Jesus came to the cross and hours before it, he said, Father, please take this away from me. He pleaded with God. And God said, I'm sorry. 
my perfect will will bring you joy. And then the Bible says Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. Because he knew what it would be like when we get to heaven and there are millions and millions of people worshiping together because of his sacrifice. So we cannot say God doesn't show up. He always shows up, but not necessarily the way we, there's a process for you and your process and my process are different. Look at Noah, Noah, Jonah and Lot, three guys that lived in terrible situations amongst people that were extremely sinful. To Lot, God says, go, it's coming, run, don't look back because there's trouble if you look back, just go. To Jonah, he says, you go to them. And to Noah, he says, build a boat. Can you imagine? <laughs> it's the same situation. God is going to act against people who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And he warns three key people. But the process for those three are very different. So we've got to understand that God has a process for us. To some people, he spoke in a burning bush. And to others, it was a whisper. Naaman, cured of leprosy. You know what he was, when he was told to go and wash himself in the river so that he could be cleansed of his leprosy? Um, Second Kings 5 records his response. He was angry. And his servant says to him, Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? And what he's saying there is because he told you to go and wash, your pride's getting in the way and you're going to miss out on your miracle. If he told you to do something great, you would have done it. So if he tells you to wash in the river, just go and do it. And I think that's what we've got to see. Jesus healing the blind man. Some people just received their sight at a word. Other guys that were spit. Think about it. Go this afternoon. This is homework. I'm a teacher, so I have to give homework. <laughs> Go, it's been raining in Gauteng, so maybe you're not going to get dust. But where these guys were walking, there was dust. It wasn't raining. Take some dust and make mud. It's not, I've got mud. Uh-uh. It's, <coughs> oh, not enough yet. There's a bit more. Come here, my man. Let me rub your eyes. And then he had to go and wash himself. There was a process, but for him, I don't know why. I don't know why he had to go through that. But Jesus had a process with him that for the same outcome was different for other people. And if he had said, wait a minute, why? Well, I, can, I can't see, but I can hear what's going on here. No, thank you. Just say it. <laughs> Son of David, just say the words. Please don't do what you're about, that I'm thinking you're about to do. But there was a process, and he would have missed his miracle if he was stuck on how. Timothy wasn't healed. Paul says to him, drink some wine for your frequent stomach illnesses. I think he had a bit of a spastic colon from all the stress. Try leading people, then you'll understand Timothy's problems. <laughs> Paul had a thorn, many people agree and disagree about what that thorn was, but it was something, regardless of what it was, 
that was an unanswered prayer for Paul. He prayed, God didn't take it away, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. His process was different to other people's process. When Saul became Paul, his conversion, my word, if God struck everybody that accepted him with three, blind, three days of blindness, I don't know how many of us would accept Jesus. It's like, this is tough. This is a hard teaching. But that was his process because God had to work on him. So God has a process specifically for you. He has something. We know that he has plans to prosper us and, and not to harm us, plans to make us, to, to give us favor, plans to grow us, plans to use us for his kingdom. But don't let your fixation on the process let you miss out on what he has planned for your life. Submit to God's will because it is perfect. Submit to his will. I want to conclude with John 15. That John 15 is, is a stern warning, but it's also an incredible promise. It's an incredible promise that if we abide in Christ, everything falls into the hands of the vine dresser. Everything falls into the Father. Our roots are in Jesus. And we will bear fruit. We will glorify God. And even more than that, he says in verse 15, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isn't that what we want in life is just to be joyful, to be happy? So guys, my encouragement to you this morning is to really allow God to use you. And as you hopefully meditate on John 15, allow the connection to remain strong. Allow God to prune you. Allow his spirit to move through you and bear much 